this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, it's via that union that we have a poll you know, to talk about. But before we do, we need to welcome two new members to the Patreon community. Uh, welcome, Jordan Neville and Ryan Allen, a young man named Ryan Allen. Welcome, Ryan. Hope you find your way around here and Jordan as well through all the uh, records that we have, you know, talked about and all the polls that we have. Hope you guys enjoy it. Make sure you get over to Discord. Just put up a chocolate chip cookie recipe. It's pretty great. <laughs> I missed that today. Yeah. I just put it up. I just put up a couple hours oh, okay. ago. So, um, you know, when you, when we're not talking about music, UFOs, or, uh, or um, debating which is the worst Weezer album, uh, we also talk about chocolate chip cookies and barbecue. Jay, let's get into this poll. It's not going to explain itself, but for June, uh, well, it was in May, but it was our June poll. We had nine records suggested to us through digmeoutpodcast.com, suggested album page. This was a tight race up until the last second. It was a runaway, two, two records that people are going to be familiar with. They, uh, this caused quite the hubbub, Jay. Hubbub, hubbub, hubbub. Mm-hmm. Yes, this, this poll is very controversial. So let's, let's get into what happened here. As Jay cycles through all the filters available on on Zoom. If you want a cool filter like I have, not that this is a filter, but if you wanted one, you could yeah. reach you could Google Zoom filters and find cool things. Just saying. I think I think the kids call that a background. Background. Whatever. I'm not hip to the lingo of the youth. What I am hip to are these nine records, Jay. What we had was uh, one first one suggested by Gary Moran was when your heart straight heartstrings break by Beulah. Jeremy Amend suggested hope and atoms by wheat. Eric Peterson suggested afraid of sunlight by Marillion. Joe B suggested moon hut by Kim Fox. Michelle Roche suggested Friday night is killing me by bash and pop. Gary Kalmick suggested throwing copper by live Darren Lehman the self-titled Garbage album. Willie Dillon suggested Too Many Days Without Thinking by Swell, and Richard Waterman suggested Here Comes Trouble by Bad Company. A wide swath of suggestions there. Here's how the poll shook out, Jay. Shake it. Last place, Kim Fox, followed by Bad Company and Marillion. Then they got some, those were like, you know, negligible votes there. Then we get into some votes. Uh, Wheat, Hope, and Adams had seven. Swells, Too Many Days Without Thinking had eight. 
Beulah's when your heart stakes break. When your heartstrings break had nine. Coming in in second place, 15 votes was garbage, self-titled, and with one more vote, lives throwing copper. So that's what we're going to talk about, Jay. This little record that sold 8 million copies <laughs> and spawned 20 million <laughs> single sales. Uh, this did ignite a discussion about whether or not we should take albums which are not necessarily obscure records, but yep. actually people know, and put them into one poll a year. So like live and, and garbage could have been moved since they both sold over a million copies. Uh, we could move them to their own separate poll maybe you know, sometime during the year along with a bunch of other ones because we do get those occasionally. Those those do stick out from time to time. And uh, uh, just put in the uh, the less well-known stuff in its own poll so that it has a better chance because although we can't direct the voting, uh, we do like to pull out the obscure records here and there to find out what we yeah. missed. Although I think this will be well, interesting problem, to go back. Yeah, well, the problem becomes obscure is relative. So we had a good exactly. suggestion of maybe we do it by like, we pull out all the platinum or gold records and above and put them in their own poll. But then there was another good point of platinum or gold where in the US <laughs> or another country. Right. Well, and then you also have the issue of which countries, you know, we're a global podcast, Jay. I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, know, we are heard in all, all We're trying to be less US, US centric. Right. So, but we have to keep in mind that sometimes records that were big in the United States were actually not big in other parts of the world and yep. vice versa. So when someone so, like Keith Badge says, please, no live, literally anything but live. <laughs> well, maybe somebody who one of our Australian listeners never heard it. There yeah. You know. Well, sorry, Keith. I, I think both while I for us, these records are probably familiar. One, the patrons did vote for them. So this is like the most passionate of passionate 90s mm -hmm. rock fans have still picked these records right so obviously they want to hear more conversation on them and in the grand scheme of things i would argue both these bands are not we can get into a little bit but i mean i don't think either of them are like packing arenas on their own anymore so like while they sold some records in the 90s like looking back it's they're fairly obscure most people most right people under the age of 30 have probably not heard of either of these two bands. Um, sure. So we are in some ways digging them out, even though <laughs> this went, what would you say? 8 million copies or something? Yeah. A lot. And, and you could make the case that garbage is actually the more well-known band only because they have consistently put out records and have stayed together yeah. as a unit and actually have a record out as we're recording this and are going on a tour with Liz Fair, who also has a new record out, and Alanis Morissette. So those are all artists who are staying relevant. Live has not had a new album since 2014. Yeah. Um, and I think 2014 is right. Yeah, 2014. And that was with a different lead singer. Ed Qualchuk came back into the band. We'll, we'll get into it. I mean, I'm talking about Ed Qualchuk. You know who live are. I mean, I'm not going to do a huge history yeah. of the band here because they're they're a pretty well known band. I'll I'll get into a little bit of it, but yeah, this sold. Um, Throwing Coppers sold went eight times 
platinum in America, 10 times platinum in Australia. See, they did know us alive in Australia. Went 10 times platinum. Um, gold in multiple other countries. Uh, it also produced a, a number of number one singles. Lightning Crashes was a number one single in the United States. Selling the Drama was a number one single, both at alt rock radio. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but they also charted in, you know, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, Netherlands, UK. So we're not talking about a band that was overlooked in, in any way uh, here or I don't know what, I don't know how they, well they did in like the Ukraine yeah, uh, or, or Bosnia Herzegovina back at that time. <laughs> so we'll have to, um, we'll address this. It's being addressed. The committee's on it. We've, we've talked to, uh, we've talked to some folks and, and we're going to, we're going to figure out ways to, to address this in the future. But that doesn't mean people didn't vote for it and doesn't mean people didn't comment either. So let's get in. I'm not going to cover all the comments. There were a lot of comments. A lot of them were complaining about garbage and live being in the poll. Um, <laughs> Yet it wins. I don't understand. Who are, I know. Who is voting? Well, here's the thing. So I'm scrolling through and I'm looking for people who talked about voting for live. Yep. And... So some uh, Tara McCook made a good point. She said, I absolutely adored that garbage record back in the day, and it'll make a great review if it wins. However, I voted for throwing copper. I hate that lightning crashes completely smothered what is a surprisingly interesting record. White Discussion is one of my favorite tracks of that year. I feel like while garbage made the better record, live will be a better discussion, uh, dissection analysis. Okay, that's a that's a valid point. Um, Gary Kalmick, who suggested it, said, I got to vote for live because I suggested it. I know people don't look fondly back on the band and that the stuff is probably endemic of radio rock. But I think some songs like Waitress really hold up. And damn it, I want to hear a review for a band I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Um, Gavin. Gavin said, I wouldn't normally go for the most successful album, but this just holds up so well. I was very, I was a very late adopter of live listening back. It's actually a heavy album. Plus for me, it's a very clear high point for them. Okay. Yeah. And Jeremy Men said, now that I'm done being a baby about this, because Jeremy had multiple comments <laughs> complaining, uh, I'm looking forward to what appears to be an episode about throwing copper. When I first heard Operation Spirit, from the mental from mental jewelry i was hooked on this band on the day throwing copper was released i drove to cincy to buy it and an extra copy for my wife's vapid friend really helped me get out of the cobain's dead funk i was in while i was really into their shift in sound of the time i now prefer the acoustic song acoustic guitar leanings of the previous album and four songs ep tangent jerry harrison is a pretty good producer his work with creeper, creeper lagoon is amazing um <laughs> lastly are we going to talk about how horrible a band name public affection is uh for those who don't know before this band was live they were called public affection that was actually what uh when ed qualtrick joined the band they had several different names and that's what the one, one that they settled on so let's see who else had uh some comments on 
live. I think that might have been it. You uh, think but, about how how bad of a band name live is now. Oh, it's terrible. Because usually with some of these nineties band band into which gets you a whole other thing. Right. And think about what results you're going to get then. <laughs> um, do want to thank Martin, Darren Svetson, Dan Goodspeed, uh, Scott, Willie Dillon, Ian McIver, Frank Garcia, Hell, Kyle Bittner, Richard Waterman, Eric Peterson, and Gary Moran, Stephen Musinski, Darren Lehman. Every pretty much everybody commented. Whitney Beeler, everybody commented on this. Not always about the albums, but about the discussion around the albums and what we should do for future polls. So thanks everybody for chiming in. We took it under advisement and we will discuss it uh, further with our committee. And then we will pass that along to the uh, project management office to issue a change order. And we'll see what happens uh, going forward once we uh, diagram that out uh, through our waterfall charts. So Jay, throwing copper, let's talk about it. Enough about yeah. this silliness. Um, Obviously, we've heard this record. We're not going into this new. This is a well-known record. I, I listened to this record. I recognized every song when yep. I heard it because I had listened to this whole record when it came out and had it. I bought it, yep. all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Going back, I'm going to ask you, what works best for you now Listen to this record? Well, what's interesting for me when we do these better-known records or or even records that maybe weren't super well-known, but I had personally spent time with then, but, and I spent a lot of time with this record. I listened to it a lot. Like mm-hmm. I was super into this, but I haven't really listened to it. I mean, geez, I probably listened to it heavy for the first two or three years it came out, but I literally have probably not spun it since then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're talking over 20 years, right? That I probably have not uh, actively listened to this record. And and this isn't really, not that I listen to a ton of radio, but I don't even feel like this is a band that you've been, I even hear in the sort of the rock canon. You know what's weird? <laughs> as it is now. I hear them on, so there are these stations, these corporate stations now that are like, we play anything. And yeah. you'll hear like Prince's When Doves Cry, and yeah. then you'll hear like a Nickelback song, and then you'll hear Throwing Copper, or you'll hear Lightning Crashes. Okay. And it like it, it'll pull from like multiple decades of just yeah. pop, and it's always like Lightning Crashes. But this isn't a... Um not that there's many of these stations left, but you know, rock, alternative rock or classic rock or whatever. I mean, this isn't a band that I've, it seems like is fits prominently in that, you know, I would expect to even hear like a, an Everclear more than I would hear Mm -hmm. this. So I really have not, it's been a long time since I listened to this. So um, I experienced this as a, almost like my past self and current self. So I'm going to try to balance both of those as I, as I listen to this, but then also as I evaluate it, um, I liked a couple of things stood out to me. One, um, I, I didn't realize how good the drummer of this band is and how important some of the little like, 
I don't know what you call them. Sometimes they're fills. Sometimes they're little accents. Like he'll do like a double snare hit or he'll put a, you know, kind of a fill in the middle of a verse that they kind of form hooks and like really like create the energy and drive a lot of these songs. Um, so that was one thing that really stood out to me. It's like, wow, this drummer is really good. Like it, not just good from a, a rock standpoint, but also from like a pop standpoint, like mm-hmm. even the drums are working from a, I think a craft and even pop, at least nineties pop oriented. Um, and that would be the second big thing that stood out to me. was just, um, I mean, obviously this band took huge steps. I mean, while I think that their first record is interesting and it may be, maybe even holds up better than this one does, but there's certainly another level of craft here. I mean, from selling the drama right away. I mean, there's some explorations where they meander and do some other things, but there's definitely like a focus on like, okay, we're going to try to write like concise, hooky songs. So that definitely comes through and they um, do a great job. I think of harnessing like simple ideas with guitar riffs and parts, but making sure that they're always complementing the vocal well. So there's a really nice back and forth continuously throughout this record where, you know, songs we built on like, you know, a simple guitar part that just fits you know, the spaces of a vocal really well. And then you can hear the two really playing off of each other um, from the way some of these songs like have slower builds at the beginning to how they, you know, a good example is the first one, the dam at Otter Creek, you know, the way that it, that then continues to build and build and build and the intensity of the guitar, that guitar riff and the vocal um, increase, but they sort of at their heart are kind of, what they started out to be. So I was really, I was impressed by just that, that, that dynamic and then how they were using drums and percussion and dynamics to really, you know, make these songs interesting and oftentimes huggy. Um, I think the material that resonated with me now would probably be the more the, what would be considered the album tracks. Um, and some of the hits I found not nearly as compelling as I probably did in the nineties. So I alone is a good example. Like that sounds at the time it sounded so relevant and 
I identified with it and it felt new, but also kind of familiar. And now looking at it, I see why is because there, I think on those hit songs, there's so much uh, referencing like what was kind of big around that time. Um, so to me, I alone sounds a lot like a Pearl Jam 10 song. Um, you know, selling the drama sounds a lot like an REM early nineties REM song. Like I can kind of hear in some of those bigger songs, what bands of the time that they were probably listening to and referencing. And now, not only can I hear that, but then I can also kind of hear the, like his vocal styles where he's like, he sounds like a little bit like Eddie Vedder at times, or he sounds like Rain Maida from Our Lady Peace, or like he just, he does almost every one of the like 90s singer tropes, you know? Um, so he kind of, it's almost like the greatest hits of 90s singers on this record. He kind of does them all from Cobain to, you know, Alice in Chains to everybody. There's a moment where you're like, he does the voice. Um, so I felt like I was way, really sensitive to that, um, particularly in the songs that were bigger on the radio. Um, now, even though I appreciated them as well-crafted songs and I responded, I think, um, or I appreciated maybe more the originality of some of the album material, which um, let's say a song like, um, like top or, um, what's another one stage, which is kind of a cool song and, and totally like different than the rest of the record, more aggressive, straightforward. It's got a ton of great energy, kind of an interesting lyric. even the bonus track horse is kind of cool. Like it's a got a Western folky kind of vibe. Iris is another good example. So like those songs that maybe, you know, at the time I was very familiar with, but I didn't appreciate as much because they were not as derivative. I'm appreciate now because they actually sound more original um, and more identifiable as what I would think what I would consider the live sound to be, which would be those songs and closer to the first record. Um, so that's some of the stuff that, that I, uh, that worked for me as I listened to it, you know, for the first time in almost 20 years. So what about you? Going, well, going back to this, I, I was trying to remember the time period because the single for the album came out, two months before the record, which was selling the drama that came out actually in February. And then the album 
came out in April. So actually, yeah, like two months before. And I remember thinking, well, this this is different. Like there was a different vibe to that song. Now you mentioning R.E.M. Like now right. I, I can hear that as well. Um, but I think the thing that caught me is I thought that this was like a huge success right out of the bat. This was one of those slow grower albums because of the singles did so well, you know, release after release. Actually, I, I looked it up. There's a, a statistic. This was the third longest um, on the chart to reach number one. So, for example, um, Fleetwood Mac's uh, self-titled album, it was on the charts for 58 weeks in 1976 before it got to number one. Paula Abdul's Forever Your Girl was on the chart for 64 weeks before it got to number one in 1989. And then, and wow. this album, it took um, 52 weeks for it to get to number one. And in, in, it didn't go, it didn't actually make it to number one until 1995, the year after. Wow. And that's, I mean, the, that's the strength of the singles because you have yeah. Selling to Drama leads it off two months before. Then in May, a month after the album comes out, I alone and I, I everybody remembers that video. Ed with the rat yep. tail, the 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 drummer <laughs> running around with just a he all he has is a snare and he's like running around and shaking it because it's not play, actually playing the snare. Uh, and then lightning crashes wasn't released until September. That definitely kickstarted a whole nother wave of sales. Yeah. for them for the, because you're you're getting into the fall that's when you know and then all over you is released in december and it doesn't even hit number one until next may and white discussion was the fifth single released it was released in april of 1995 i don't know how much difference that made in terms of i don't remember that being a huge single in comparison to the first four but you also have to throw in the fact that they played woodstock's 94 so that was another thing that elevated their yeah. status and their and their visibility. And actually, if you get the reissue, there's a 25th anniversary reissue of this album and includes their their um, Woodstock set as the bonus material, along with a couple of, um, you know, like unreleased songs. Oh, OK. Uh, that's the version I listened to. Uh, but on streaming, it, it only has the bonus, the th three bonus tracks. OK. Yeah, it has um, Hold Me Up, which was in the movies. It was so there's an interesting actually history to that. Hold Me Up was originally recorded for this era. Kevin Smith wanted to use it in the movie Clerks, and they said no. So then he was making, I think it was Clerk. No, it was Mall Rats. He, he was making Mall Rats. He wanted to use that song, and they said no. And then he was making uh, Jane Silent Bob, and he said, Can I use this? Can I use it? And they're like, No. And then he was making Zach and Mary make a porno and they said yes. And he used it in the, the movie, but he didn't actually put it on the soundtrack. <laughs> so it had not been released on a soundtrack or anything. And then they, there was a song called We Deal in Dreams, which was on the uh, was a like an outtake that was included on the, uh, the best of. And then a song called Susquehanna or Susquehanna that was uh, recorded around this time as well. So and we mentioned it was Jerry Harrison in production, Lee Lou Giordano was the engineer Ted Jensen mastered and Tom Lord algae algae uh, mixed it. So, I mean, that's a, those are like big names for a lot of 90s stuff. Yeah. Those, those guys. Yeah. It's, it's 
It's a great sounding record. Um, I agree with you. I definitely, I mean, I'm, I was burned out by the time all of you came out as a single and I was burnt and I was burned out now. Like I listened to this album all the way through and I went, okay, I'm not really going to focus on the out, the singles because I, yeah. I listening to them once was enough to like completely lock me into what they sound like. So I really want to focus on the album tracks. And like you said, like the way that this album starts out with the damn it Otter Creek, very different vibe than I remembered. I wasn't, I, I remembered sort of the build of the song and not how the song started with, with a very, I, I, it's not, they don't list as having an organ. So I'm just assuming that he's doing that stuff, all that stuff with guitar. I thought there may be some organ on that song, but it's not. Um, and like you mentioned, Iris and stage really cool songs. I would, even though white discussion was a single, I, I still consider it an album track. Cause it, it just, it was not a huge yeah. single at the time. It's also over six minutes, which makes it a weird um, single. And then, and you, like you mentioned, horse, that's, that's a, a different vibe. That's a nice change of pace for the end of the record, which like you mentioned was a hidden track on the, um, on the album, but uh, is now when you go to, you know, Spotify or whatever, it's just, it's there. Or, yeah. or other streaming services. Um, and like you, I was trying to pay attention more because I wasn't as knowledgeable to what was going on. Um, a lot of the stuff that uh, Chad Taylor, who's the lead guitarist, and you know, I think Adam Kowalczyk plays like acoustic guitar, strumming acoustic guitar in some songs. But basically the guitar work is Chad Taylor. It's a lot of really cool riffs. And um, he also does the backing vocals. Mm -hmm. along with the drummer Chad Gracie. And I think the one thing that I, I picked up on is how much they really did nice work with backing vocals and harmonies and doubling that it's not throughout the whole record, but they pick really nice spots. Like in I Alone, when you come out of that second chorus, and I don't know if it's Chad or which Chad it is, if it's Chad Taylor or Chad Gracie, but yep. Ed, Kowalchuk, Ed Kowalchuk stops singing the hook of the song, but the backing vocal continues it. Yeah. And I like that. I liked that little bit. Like that was a nice little production choice or, or change that I think maybe they wouldn't have pulled off on the first record or yeah. and there's other spots where you can hear whoever's voice that is, does a really nice job of because he edged Qualchuk sings so high and nasally sometimes that yep. that lower register voice adds a nice change of pace, just even if it's just for a line yep. or, or, a, or a, a, a background vocal. So I picked up on a lot of like those little nuances um, from time to time. And like you said, you know, the, the, the drums are doing a lot in, in, in a good way. Um, and the whole, the rhythm section is just sort of keeping it down the way it should um, for what essentially is a pop, rock record for the time in a lot of yep. ways for as far as the singles go um you mentioned hearing like rem and pearl jam i when i heard now lightning crashes i was like this is their u2 one like that's that's what's trying to they're trying to go on they're trying to like have this building slow building slow burning song yeah. about I'm i'm still unclear of the lyrics um <laughs> 
<laughs> I know the placenta hits the floor. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's about a woman who is dying and a baby that's being born. And there's like an angel that takes the soul out of the old woman and puts it into the baby. Um, I, that's what I was getting from that song. Um, it's still weird. And, um, but I, I listened to that once and I went, I don't, I don't need to hear it anymore. Like, yeah. Are, are we moving on to the stuff we didn't like? Yeah, let's move on to the stuff we didn't like. <laughs> let's just get there. Well, on that song, I, I think um, well, the thought, the initial I thought I had on it was, yeah, I remember this. Okay. And then as I listened to it more, I was like, how the hell was this a hit? <laughs> I just, in terms of video. like, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, times are different. Video is more important. And radio was different but still like man this is a slow build and some really weird lyrics like having a hard time imagining putting myself back in that place where a song like that could be a hit stuff that doesn't work yeah i found myself almost from the first note thinking i really don't like ed kowalchuk anymore as a singer <laughs> and i say as a person and as a person also i find him obnoxious no i have no idea what he's like yeah. as a person he could be a, a total gentleman in a in a a hoot to be around but what i found was and you mentioning rain Maida, yeah um I also, I know it's cliche, but I want to bring Gord Downey for the Tragically Hip into this mm. because there are vocal gymnastics going on and and voices being used that are mm. not necessarily singing voices, but like these characters almost that he's getting into um, with some of the songs and some of the lyrics. And other vo other vocalists do that. Gord Downey does that all the time or or did that all the time. But the thing that I found... I had a tr I had trouble with was that this is sort of relentlessly not fun whereas Gord Downey will throw a lot of like very sly not laugh out loud humor but just sort of like wink to the to the to the listener like yep. throw in and throw in also some very like he's not known as like a love songwriter but if you listen to some of the lyrics they're very endearing and very universal and very um touching yep and i'm thinking of like a song like ahead by a century which is basically about two kids you know meeting and and wondering what their life is going to be like and then maturing past that and then what what is their life ending up like and it's these very like simple sentiments um a, a, about growing up and stuff like that 
listening to this and 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 him almost always being a downer yeah and in some of the lyrics i i don't know that i could i can stand them more than like waitress yeah i don't know what he's trying to get across in that song yeah but i i when it came on i was like oh no this song i remember like it like snapped in my head like oh god yeah what is this and um i don't know if you had that too i did i uh I found myself um, see, uh, hearing someone who's like desperately trying to say something important, one, and two, like songs like Waitress and Shit Town are good examples of like, seems like he's trying to like identify with normal people and mm-hmm. write like some kind, like you said, like some kind of simple, universal, endearing s- statement on you know normal midwestern people but at the end of the song i'm usually left scratching my head not understanding really anything he's trying to say yeah you know so there'd be a line here or there where you're like oh okay we're i kind of see where he's going with this and then three lines later you're like i have no idea who he's talking about and by the time you get to the end you're like this is just all nonsense yeah um and I think then I find myself really being annoyed by like some of those lines, you know, mm-hmm. um, in waitress or shit town or even the placenta line and lightning crashes. You're like, I forgot that was the second line. That's a pretty strong visual. Like yeah. what you like, I hope you have something important to say if you're going to pull that out, <laughs> you know, as the second line of the song, like this better go somewhere where I'm like, wow, that was heavy. And you get to the end of the song, you're like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm not sure you know either. <laughs> so, you know, there were just, there's a handful of songs in, in that are, you know, suffer on here just from lyrics that are, I don't know, overreaching. Yeah, I, um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's this attempt to ground the album in some way that I wish they would have just avoided some of these topics because they don't, they're just clumsy. It's a very clumsy lyrical approach to some of the records where I feel like selling the drama and, some of the other songs are are less specific and it yeah. works better. Uh, yes. I think that's also why I was so immediately turned off by the next record <laughs> because yeah. it be- it became so like elevated their their um their attitude or or his attitude or I don't know whose it was but I remember, well, first of all, I remember thinking that's a really dumb guitar riff. Like it's only like two notes. Yeah. How, how can that be your lead single? Uh, and I didn't even, I barely played guitar at that point, but I was just like, that's a, just discover drop D like what's going on. <laughs> and then there's a whole string section that comes in and you're like, yep. what the, f- what is, this is bizarre. Yeah. Um, and then I completely lost interest by the, the dolphins cry yep. era, which was the album after that. 
but it comes back to the fact that like there is just something not fun about Ed Kowalchuk. Now maybe he's fun live. I've never yeah. seen the band live, and I, I actually I should have tried two years ago back in 2019. Live toward this album along with Bush doing 16 Stone and Our Lady Police doing Navid because they all came out this spring, yeah, 1994. That actually would have been a cool tour to see. Yeah. Um, because I like 16 Stone a lot. I still think that record holds up and I really like Navid. Um I would have been interested, you know, I would have seen this live just to see it because it was with those other two bands. But um yeah, I don't uh I just his vocal just and his lyrical choices just just grind the album down for me. Um, I did not want to listen to this on repeat. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, I think you nailed it on. You mentioned you two or you two is one of the bands that you know. Obviously, they're they're maybe modeling here for Lightning Crashes. Mm-hmm. They're probably better also in the U two lyric space where it's like lyrics that are vaguely sound vaguely important but when you really dissect them they're just sort of unoffensive and not saying a whole lot (laughs) i I, you know he crosses this line where it's like uh he he drops some lines and, and writes some some entire songs where he he it the lyrics jump out enough that you pay attention too much and then you start listening to the lyrics and you realize these are dark and or dumb or just nonsensical versus you two where it's like he never crosses the line enough where you're like oh i really want to dig into what he's saying <laughs> you know to the point where like i'm not gonna like pay attention to the song um so i, I think they're better served on songs where they he he, he has a, a line where they just stay a little bit more abstract. Yeah. And, and it, you know, I went, I've never really liked all over you. That was the song that I kind of like started losing interest in the band when that single came out. Cause it got way overplayed, but I actually went and looked at the lyrics. There's like, maybe he has some interpretation of what these mean, but yeah. they read like a bad Scott Weiland lyrical. It's our love is like water pinned down and abused for being strange. And Okay. Our love is no other than me alone for me all day. Our love is like water pinned down and abused all over you, all over me, the sun, the fields, the sky. I've often tried to hold the sea, the sun, the fields, the tide. Pay me now, lay me down. What? (laughs) It's so vague and so there's, there's nothing to grasp onto. It's all about him, the way he delivers it. Yeah. And, having a okay melody on top of it, but there's nothing to actually dig into. Yeah. Well, and I would argue like, I don't, I like that song. I don't have a problem with it. The lyrics are nonsensical, which, mm-hmm. you know, Bush is like that too. Right. Um, the problem is, is like, uh, let's go back to, or let's go back to waitress. Right. There's some lines in that where you're like, okay, he's making a strong point here. So I'm going to start paying attention to his lyrics. And then you realize like, well, I don't know what you're saying in this song. And then the next song, you're like, well, uh, this is a guy who has a lot to say. I'm going to start paying attention to the lyrics in this song. And you're like, well, this song doesn't make any sense either. <laughs> so <clears throat> for me, that's those hooks. Um, 
where he really puts a focus on saying something, you know, outrageous or swearing or I don't know, just something where it pulls you in is where it falls, starts to fall apart. Whereas if he just was, you know, like Bush nonsensical all the time and never really, (laughs) you never really paid attention to it. You could just kind of enjoy the music for what it is and not be overcritical, but it's almost like he's inviting you to be critical. Right. Well, I think some of it feels like the the Billy Joel. Uh, he described when he was talking about his songwriting. It's all about the vowels. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's not about really even assembling words that have to make any sense. Yeah. Um, like stage is a good example. Like stage is a good little three minute song. It rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to rock in the city tonight. Okay, dude. I'm. Yeah. Yep. Give me that. Uh, I don't need the, I. I don't need the rest of it to like be mind blowing. Just give me some cool lyrics. Yeah. Now, and, it's almost uh, refreshing. Like when you yeah. get to that song, you're like, oh, this is just straightforward, and he's just like, you know, saying something truly relatable. Like, oh, I, I get that. I'm with you. Yep. Yeah. So I I really struggled with most of this record, really just because of him. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting because they broke up in mid-2000s. And the basically the rest of the band was like, we can't deal, we can't deal with you anymore. <laughs> And then after 10 years of, you know, they did the gracious few and then they did the, the one album with Christian as the lead singer and then announced they were getting back together. Cause probably they weren't, you know, nothing was happening, yep. but they actually, you know, what's interesting about this band is they actually stayed relevant into the two thousands. I mean, they were still playing, making records that were getting, uh, they were charting and selling a single here, a single there that just happened to squeak through, um, which was not what I was expecting. If you go look through their discography, um, you know, the distance to here was number four in 1999. Uh, the next two records, five and birds of prey, which was 2001 and 2003. Those were both top 30 records back when CDs were still selling. Um, they had, as far as singles um, from around that time, and they were still charting somewhat, not just in the U S but in other parts of the world. I mean, they, they did stay somewhat relevant um, basically up until like 2004, 2005, that kind of era. And then it kind of went once Ed left the band, it kind of went downhill and whatnot. So, yeah, I don't know. This was this was hard. Um, 
I wish we had done the garbage records in some respects. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, because I, I, I've never had a problem with uh, Shirley Manson's voice. I've had a yeah. problem with her lyrics from time to time. Yeah. Um, I know you have been critical of the production on that record, and I think that would have been. I don't even know that. I've listened. I mean, I know the singles. Right. Um, but man, this was. I know there were people who were like nostalgic to hear this record again, but I was I was not impressed. And I understand why this is constantly in the discount uh, dollar section at half price books, because uh, you can't sell this for six ninety nine used. It has yeah. to go into the clearance section for a dollar. It's uh, there's so many of them. So. Let's get into our overall ratings on this, Jay. <laughs> you sound so excited. Yeah. Worthy album. <laughs> better EP. Or a decent single. Where do you where do you land on this? Well, I guess I'm gonna be I I think maybe just from the nostalgia of it, I'm gonna say a worthy album. I, I I found myself enjoying it when I wasn't being like critiquing it <laughs> and maybe even like, I mean, actively like reviewing it when I would just head it on when I was working and, and stuff, I think musically and, you know, to your, your point about writing with vowels, you know, to form melodies, I think it's pretty strong there. Um, the biggest barriers again are the some of the overtop vocal stuff and lyrics. But yeah, <laughs> some of the falsetto yodeling and not only that, but when he goes, when he's like, "Oh, I'm like, no, 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 we're not doing that." Yeah, I feel like you know what this is like. um it's like a kiss record. <laughs> oh, please tell, tell me how it's like a kiss record. Well, in that, if you made me review a lot of kiss records, I would be, um, I could tell you a ton of stuff that is, that is, you know, bad on them. Um, but they're just part of like, I just listen to them so much and there's, you know, not I'm equating them with kiss, but just like I can be critical of them, but I can also like just put them on and also enjoy them to a certain degree. So I found myself mostly enjoying this. I guess I could make the argument it could get cut down to an EP, but if I cut it down an EP, I'm going to tell you to cut out the singles, which doesn't make any sense because I, I mean, these were well, hit what songs. You want to listen to. Yeah, I guess. So if it was what I want to listen to, it'd be an EP. I would cut out the singles. I don't know that I need to hear I Alone again for the rest of my life. I'm good. <laughs> um, I don't need to hear Lightning Crashes again. I enjoyed listening to the album tracks that didn't get played to death on the radio um, and found, you know, quite a few of those to be to be pretty good. So you want me to go with an EP then? You do what you do. What you do. You, you based on what i would listen to it'd be an ep so i'll do the damn it otter creek uh iris top stage 
horse. Pillar's kind of funny because it sounds like Pink Floyd. Maybe I'd throw that in there too. That's my EP. I'm at an EP, four songs, basically the, the smallest EP you can imagine. It's the, it's the EPiest EP. I, I would go selling the drum. I think that's the, of these singles, I think that's the most worthy single. I would go selling the drama, Iris, Stage, White Discussion. I think that that makes the most interesting four song EP. And if you want to put horse on as a hidden track, go right ahead. But I I just feel like if it's not musically interesting enough to defeat his lyrics, <laughs> then uh yeah. I can't I can't include the song. If if in his his vocal um I, I think that's what I was I'm reacting to on the Relisten is it's a band, from a band standpoint. I think it's a really good band. Mm-hmm. They shoot a different singer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just uh, this was not. It was not as fun going back as I thought it was going to be. I thought, oh, live, yeah. I haven't listened to this in, since nineteen ninety five. I'll I'll definitely have some good thoughts nope they were not all good thoughts it's kind of it was kind of uh traumatizing actually so thanks to our listeners for uh and our patrons for traumatizing us by uh, making us listen to the wailing of ed kowalchuk um but it does actually it makes me want to go back to the first record and hear if he was so over the top because I remember Pain Lies on the Riverside and some of those other songs. Operation Spirit, I think, was the other one that was a single. Yep. And I don't remember being so, I don't know, turned off. Like like you said, it was like different. It was a very different thing for what was happening when that came out. So. Yeah, I mean, they were very young. Right, Beauty whenever. of Grey, that was the other single. It was like 91, 92. So, I mean, that's the same year as like 10 and Gish and, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. So it was a, it was a different sound. I, I, I didn't listen to it right when it came out. I remember hearing that like, but just before this record came out, because like, what's this live band? And then going back uh, and hearing that. I re- Yeah, no, I remember when this... Mental Jewelry came out. I mean, they were super buzzy. MTV was pushing them hard um, at the time. I mean, it was that 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 transition time, right? Um, where you know, alternative was starting to break, and there were a bunch of you know new bands that were they were pushing. And I remember remember them pushing them hard, and it being definitely different, and you know, a little. Uh, I guess more on the eighties alternative vibe than what the follow-up was. All right. Well, that's our opinion on 
throwing copper by live, I'm sure that there will be no um, no disagreements from anyone. So if you want to, you can talk about it over at our Discord page, which you can uh, access by joining us at Patreon, patreon.com, or you can access through dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Uh, that's where you go to vote on polls like this one every month, nine albums. It's also where we have our roundtable poll, our 80s poll, because our 80s episodes are exclusive to our patrons. And then uh, it's also where you can read the box newsletter. Uh, two new reviews every week of new releases and uh, a calendar of uh, stuff that's come out each week. Books, movies, and music relevant to 80s and 90s music. A lot of stuff this year. It's been packed with uh, no shortage of things to, to review every week. You can sign up for the box newsletter at digmeoutpodcast.com. It's also where you can go to suggest an album like the one that we just reviewed. And if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. I mean, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> iTunes. iTunes. You, there was this thing. It used to be called iTunes. You might remember it. I just uh, realized um, with uh, the new Apple Music player, you can turn the i the iTunes store back on. Did you, it's, it defaults off, and you can go and toggle it, and it'll come back. So if you're into browsing uh, MP3 files that you can buy, oh <laughs> yeah, of stream, uh, you can still do that. Apparently, sweet, and it, and it has the same layout it did. You know. The little silver button that you says 99 cents. Pretty much. Yeah, I'll pass. Uh, that's it for Jay. I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Oh.